I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We would like to pay our respects to the Shumash, Tongva, and Keech people, the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording our podcast on, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Salad or Dolly, threw a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly, we're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather, together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Good morning, my love. Hello. Hello, Ioni. Hello, hello, hello. How good was that Cub Sport gig last night? I, yeah, I knew nothing about it. I knew it was Australian situation, which is always good. And you knew good. it was pretty gay. Yeah, and that's always a nice crowd. Like gay bands have a nice, <clears throat> when we saw Camp Copes last Gay adjacent. Gay adjacent. The yeah. crowd is, it, remind, I, it reminds me of in the 90s when I was going to gay girl clubs a lot. It just feels like safe and good and everyone could be just like, the threat at gay shows comes from outside. Of not course. From inside. Yeah, but yeah. the band were amazing. Yeah. And I was just so... They're from Brisbane. and Yeah, and it was just so incredible seeing a band put such a positive... The types of role models you would grow up with as a gay kid would be used to be so limited and they're getting so much more dynamic. Yeah, and they had... Um, and the music was amazing. Fast fashion, but they were very... It was sexy. Also, it had a K-pop, like a... a boy band Boy thing. band vibe because he well, really was giving... Well, they're beautiful. The band, the guys are And he beautiful. was giving this like to the crowd a lot of like pointing and stuff, but it wasn't corny for some reason. It was like... Maybe because they're polite Brisbane people. To me, it was like I was getting Pet Shop Boys, Madonna, Belle and Sebastian, and the Smiths. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in all of that is this was this excellent experience. So anyway, really check good. out. Anyway, Cub, Cub Sports. Sport. So listen, today's guest, this is, was a very thinly veiled excuse to actually just hang out, which is something we've been planning yeah. to talking about doing for six months. And um, we thought now we have the pod and we can have guests on it it becomes much easier to make plans two you know, golden boys two town. golden boys meeting oh, yeah i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a golden one too <laughs> Wimma thomas here you are man thank y'all for having me thank you for being here <laughs> lot, uh, i was just saying there's a lot of cool stuff in this house here and especially in this room here it's a vibe i feel like you gotta one day just flip it around and Show them all. Yeah, there's, yeah. You know, there's like cool shit like that back there. Is that the the handwritten, hand scrolled thing? Is um that's when I was like 19 years old. I used to hang out with Harmony Korean, and he wrote those lyrics, and I turned them into a song. But I love. I find his the way he writes is like beautiful. Like I I've framed things like that. People have written. Isn't that weird? Like how directors and artists even have good hand like a, a scrappy little handwriting that looks really good mm-hmm. like I, yeah i have like ugly not in a cool way handwriting i'm the same i've never prized the aesthetics of my handwriting but there are certain people that end the way they do anything is mm-hmm. beautiful and creative anyway nice. dude so well yeah it's cool to hang out yeah we're I'm doing it we're it. doing it something i want to ask you about just to start off i was thinking about as an australian for me and you being from the South, being from Alabama, like when you come into a town like LA and you said you came you when you were 18, at right? 18, right? Yeah, I came at 18. 
you have this otherness, but also like people are intrigued by it, mm-hmm. and it's a bit. It gives you a bit of like your one foot in, one foot out lens. Yeah. And I was just curious about how that informed your actual experience of like being here doing stuff. Oh man, I mean, um, I came here completely naive. I didn't know a single person. Like the my, it feels more similar to when I hear people move about people moving here in like the seventies. But like, <laughs> uh, I had met a guy in Florida who was like a special effects guy and he said he'd give me a job as a PA if I moved here and then I was like okay and I drove to LA and then he never answered the phone mm-hmm. so like I I don't know I just it feels just like I was a ghost for for you like have you ever seen uh, my own private Idaho oh, for sure. that was like I feel like I was living that life <laughs> like the heroin not the, the heroin, heroin. No, but just it, the feeling like you're disassociating or you're kind of just I was just wandering with around. all these other boys and right, we were just yeah, yeah. like completely had no clue what we were doing in life or what we looked cool though and then um, <laughs> and so then when things started I started to figure out the things I wanted to do every day was just a, the, a, the, a blessing you know and even though I wasn't making any money or whatever I remember one time I um did a show with Norm Macdonald yeah and he was like how old are you man I was like, I was, I was like 23 or something and he goes and you're just now starting out doing stand-up and I was like yeah it's great it's weird it's crazy and he goes are you broke and I was like oh yeah I'm real <laughs> broke and he goes this is the best time of your whole life it was like weirdly serious. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, um, cool. really? No way. And he's like, yeah, this is it. And then I look back and I was like, that yeah. was. The- I know that's, that's what yeah. we were. I was saying if we could have more, a little more success, but the salad days feeling, like if you yeah. can somehow, and I'm determined to try that. But I think that's in LA at least, and in New York, wherever there's like a dynamic creative scene, I think that's why. People keep getting up at Largo and comedians just get up every night in weird places because it takes you back to like, if you can keep approaching life as like a blank canvas and using your imagination and playing, Mm -hmm. it does keep you sort of not getting cynical. It does. Yeah. I mean, I've for sure gotten plenty bitter and cynical now, but (laughs) (laughs) when I was younger, I would, I would say to all my buddies who were more fish out of water who had figured out what they were supposed to be doing in LA. Like, oh, we've made it. Like every second that we've, that we know what we're meant to be doing or how what we, that we have fun doing what we want to do. And that means we've made it. And thinking about everybody back in Alabama, for me, like having a shrimp and boat or what a Forrest Gump isn't too far off. <laughs> um, you know, this is a more ideal for, but, for me. But you, did you want to be famous? So what did you want? What was your yeah, vision? For of sure. you, yeah, for sure. As a kid, I yeah. definitely did. And then I didn't care so much for a while. And then I'm what fame is now feels so different than what it did a long time ago, even when I was in my early 20s. Like, I, it's more confusing what fame means now and how it works. But for now, now I'm like, well, I'd like to be more famous just so I don't have to try as hard to get people to look at the stuff I want, I yeah. make. But 
It, yeah, I don't necessarily true. care. I just want to be like happy and get some money. Money is good. Yeah. I knew. I, I I'm glad I enjoyed. Like when I did River's Edge, mm-hmm. I w- had just seen I think Blue Velvet, and then I heard the same DP was doing River's Edge, so I was like thrilled. Mm-hmm. And then I knew that the director had written Over the Edge. Do you know that oh, yeah. movie? And I, I was like, my brother and I loved Over the Edge, so. I was, and Dennis Hopper was, so I was like really excited. I wasn't thinking I want to be famous. I just was like, I knew where I was. You know, Danny DeVito was in his office when I went in once for a meeting. So I was like kind of excited because I'm such a fan of films Mm. and actors and, you know, like, so that part of, if that's fame, that was like fun. That's always super fun. Yeah, And access getting access. And it's yeah. fun. like last night, he forgot his ID and the door guy recognized me, which doesn't happen that often. And then Ben got to go into the See the Show. You're, you're actually, the, the, <laughs> so the liquor licensing board are going to be showing up at the Echo. No, now. no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but the perks can, you know, if it's that. Or when I used to get free Adidas. Those kinds of things are super fun. But uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, that stuff is, <laughs> there's not, I'm I mean, like it does. Teenager still. Cool. For like... me, one time somebody recognized me at a um, at a smoothie place. They were like, "Hey, man, were you on? A, I think you should leave," which is this like great sketch show that my buddy makes. And I was like, "Yeah, it was." And he goes, "Oh, that's so cool. It's the best." And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's cool." And then just sort of sat there while he's making my smoothie, and I was like, while we were filming, and I couldn't stop laughing because of how funny uh, Tim Robinson is. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah," and I was like. You know, and uh, I'm surprised they're even able to find anything to uh, to use because of how much I was laughing. He's like, yeah, cool, man. And I was like, oh, cool. I kind of blow it no matter what. Like, the you mystery is You were trying to give him a bigger dead. moment. Yeah. <laughs> and, all right. Well, I've just got to learn to be cool about this kind of stuff. I've always just cared more about the quality of the audience than the yeah. amount of them. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could have a small audience for what I do, and be able to uh, financially sustain myself. That that's that's kind of my dream. But then I'm now I'm thinking about it. Like there is a particular joy in standing in front of a big crowd on a stage. For that, sure. I mean, I remember like I sat next to Chris Martin once at a thing that her brother had. He was like asking me about a tour. I was about to do a house concert tour, and I was like, Yeah, you know, I just for me it's just about playing. I don't care if there's like five people in the room or 50,000 people. And he went, <laughs> not me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess I, in some ways it's a good defense against failure mm-hmm. is to be okay with playing to smaller crowds. You know, you've got yeah. to like <laughs> emotionally prepare. Well, if you're for- Prince when he used to do those tiny shows. Yeah, you want both. I always say it works for my narrative as a as an artist if nobody shows up. Yeah. Yes. It like helps right. me like... Yeah, well, I am the last true punk of (laughs) comedy or music or whatever. So when you came to L.A., though, the comedy thing hadn't kicked in for you yet. No. You you loved music and you'd been in bands. I had been in bands, loved music. I was very obsessed with, like, River's Edge and and, um, Gus Van Sant. And I was, like, desperate to figure out how to exist in, in that world even though that wasn't really around he would anymore. love you of course <laughs> have you met him <laughs> well, one of my first jokes was uh i know gus van sant would love me oh yeah it's um, true as like a 22 year old no no for sure. even and now then, i would because well, la- now he get he's he's yeah. getting older and so you're still in a good <laughs> yeah. and the boys stay the same age. well i saw him one time at a 
screening of some movie when I was about that age and he was with all these very cool looking guys and I was like god maybe if I just like slipped in <laughs> and just started hanging out oh my god I'll show you this book I have of uh photographs he took when you would go in for an audition it's all just his photos and everybody is just trying their best to dress in a yeah. Gus Van Zandt way yeah. it's it's really it's really fun grunge uh, beefcakes I mean just like this yeah okay, grungy like yeah, and like yeah, you know yeah. kids from yeah yeah. The south or the Midwest look. Yeah. So, the, so then you you wanted to be in that world. I you did. I wanted yeah, to be yeah, an yeah. actor and, yeah. a, and a writer, um, and uh, I just couldn't figure it out. I, I I didn't even know I was supposed to get headshots. Someone said you have to get a headshot, Ugh, and I was like, "What is worst. that?" I hate. I said a photo, and then I went and got a headshot, and then the person was like, "We well, got to get an agent." It's like, how the hell did I do that? It was like every yeah. little thing was like, I had no idea. And um, I I mean, I just went to all the agent's offices. You like, just knocked on doors. I would look yeah. up like a person I liked and be like, what's their agent? And then I would go to CAA. Oh, that's so And cool. then I would just sit there and be like, <laughs> they'd be like, what are you doing here? It's like, I just want to meet uh, so-and-so, Jeremy Piven or whatever, <laughs> whatever an agent was to me at the time. And then they were like, you have a meet? Do you have like, something scheduled? I was like, no. She's like, you got to get an industry referral. And then I would go back to the headshot person and be like, what's an industry referral? Can you do that? She'd be like, not there. Right. And then, you know, it was that kind of thing, just like calling, play. And then I don't even know how. Nothing happened at all until I started doing stand-up. And that's when those types of relationships I love began. your music, too. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so I'm just so curious how the, then were you seeing comedy when you came to yeah, LA? What was the or what was the, how did you get that? When you were here it was at like 18? Zach Galifianakis was... was just the king of like the DIY uh, alternative comedy. Yeah. Gotcha. And so and was so, David Cross around? Was it yeah, that sort of it was era? Like, yeah. he, I mean, I think he was in New York, but I would see him a lot. Yeah. Um, it was the old Largo and yeah. going mm -hmm. there and going to like UCB when it first opened and just random little places. It was like right before Zach popped big, he became a big star. Um, so he was just, you know, cruising around weird. doing shows yeah, yeah. and always some new weird thing. And I would email him all the time to hang out with me. <laughs> he never responded. But now <laughs> do you know each other? I do know him a little bit now. I don't think he knows about that. <laughs> I would like write him ideas for jokes. And, oh, that's great. Um, and so, so once you saw that world, you were like, I could operate in this world. I understand yeah. the rhythm of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and then um, uh, me and my buddy Clay eventually, my friend Clay, who I worked with now, he, he came to LA. We grew up together in right. Alabama. And um, we would play music together. But... We were so burnt on music from our whole childhood, just being in bands and taking it like way too seriously and sucking the fun out of all of it that uh, we didn't want to do it anymore. And then um, we got another roommate who was a drummer and we were like, well, I guess we have to yeah. like play gigs. And yeah. so we started doing that at the same time we got more and more into comedy and then um, we Everybody in LA, it was like this garage explosion kind of time period with uh, all kinds of cool guys like Ty Siegel and the OCs and these bands that are just very experimental and cool. And we were so silly on stage um, and talked way too much in between songs that nobody took us seriously. And we um, we were t really rowdy and and um, 
so we kind of just decided, well, we all like comedy. Why don't we just bail on instruments? And so we stopped playing instruments, but continued all the oh, wow. the banter. And that oh. was like my official introduction. And that That's became amazing. like a sketch kind of group. So it was like between song. Yeah. Those things just got bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, like, and wow. we would always do that. Like my yeah. band would open for my brother's band all the time as a kid. And so I would roast myself about how my brother was way more talented than me and like be like, well, opening for my brother again or whatever <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. you know. And so I that was came pretty naturally to me and then yeah, that's kind of was my That's so cool. figuring out stand up stuff. My buddies make fun of me and say there's no crossover between anything that I do. <laughs> so like <laughs> I have a I, I'm really dumb and goofy with all my friends anything we make together. Then my stand up is kind of a little bit dark and vulnerable and then my music is like I, I don't know. So it, it's like People like want. I need to figure out how to combine the, the three. <laughs> the vulnerability. Don't have to. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. vulnerability of uh, the golden one. I thought was just. I think that is just. It's one of my favorite things I've seen. Oh, thanks, you know, it, it is so. You have a sense of humor about what you've been through, mm-hmm. but it's you know like a lot of comedians that it doesn't actually get real. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean emotionally? Mm-hmm. Like who's because like Zach? I don't think he doesn't really. No. Like what were your inspirations for that part of it? Uh, for me, I have to be like completely present, or else people see right through it. You know, like I have to be completely honest, or else I'll bomb. It's really helping me the way you are about your mom because I'm writing a memoir right mm-hmm. now, and I'm thinking a lot about my mom and my dad and uh, and how you can talk about the things that were hard, you know, in the right tone. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of good. also be honest without totally throwing people under the bus yeah. in a way because you like, have yeah, empathy for human beings. That complicated thing you know, of like, way, like, you know, how, you know, at this point, I, I sort of, it's not a forgiveness, but it's like a understanding you just yeah. don't know that people everyone's wounded and like that's they could have done better if they could they would have if they could have and they couldn't but well, so I, i'm sure we were just talking about it before this started but like i'm sure when you were a kid if you went to some other kid's house or this this is the case for me i would be like oh i i like my situation way better than for this. sure better than having to wake up early and go to church on sunday or yeah. having a curfew or whatever the hell it was I, and i look back and i I hear stories from, you know, some random person about their childhood, and I'm like, mine was pretty sick. I mean, there was absolutely no, like, consistency or yeah. everything felt, you know, it was could be bleak at times, but I absolutely prefer it over some of the other stuff. Yeah. I always thought most houses were either square, mm-hmm. I used to think, or some of the more hippie hippie ones felt like unsafe like i had a sort of fear of real hippies like you know what i mean but my mom was the right kind she had enough like street smarts in new york yeah you had a blend of like bohemia and domesticity that was pretty 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 sweet you had a pretty sweet spot. spot yeah i mean there was some you know there was the drug dealing stepdad Taking the Smuggling. small planes to Jamaica yeah. and all of that, but that's you know. what my I mom to... used to do. That, yeah, right. yeah, wow, yeah, no way. What if they work together? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Your stepdad's name Jim. His name's Paul, but he was from Florida. Okay, and he also went by Jim. But... <laughs> no, but I'm thinking. Also, I want to have the non-insulting description of someone who's poor and from Florida. That's not like For Paul. The Paul. Florida deserves general... it. <laughs> 
Broke-ass, disgusting <laughs> Floridians. But he really pulled it together when he had, he really made it happen. I, and I'm not going to... In the drug smuggling world. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> he made something of himself. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm not going to ask you to read, and this is such a major point of the of the special, but the, the, the thing about your abduction is that whole chapter, Yeah, that is... Very unique and not an ideal thing to go through as a human being. No. Like, do you, f- I don't know, do you want to just give like, yeah, just, sure. Because a lot of people I haven't mean, I'd like to, op- I used to open with that just to test if the audience was going to be uh, down with whatever I was going to talk about or not. Like how far they could go. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a long time before there's a laugh. It's like, but the <laughs> basic gist is when I was a kid, um, my, um, uh, there was a, a, a guy who broke into my house when I was three. Um, and when I say broken, he like just sort of broke through the the door. Maybe was unlocked. He came in and then uh, took me. And as he started to kind of kidnap me, um, my mom was yelling, and uh, my dad intervened in one way or the other, and uh, and uh, got me away. And then they went to the dude's house with the cops, and he lived in this like back house uh, uh, behind his brother's house. And um, found that the dude had been kind of like breaking into our house on our property and taking my things and had made like a shrine in his bathtub. And that he, of me as a three-year-old, and that he had, um, was supposed to be under his brother's surveillance because he had had a history of like child abduction or something. And then uh, he got taken away um, because of me. I did that. That's yeah. Fucking insane. And then the way it plays into like, you know, your relationship with your dad. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. It just sure. kind of blew my mind. It blew my Dude, mind. that stuff was happening to me all the time as a kid. Because you They're were a golden. Attempted abduction. So it made you feel golden in a way because you people were picking you or whatever. Well, knows, it, even then, people, people as a child, as like you. a 12 yeah. year old, I would have this story coming back to school over the summer about something I had to do or deal with and my friends would be like what the hell like, <laughs> that didn't happen to me this summer yeah like um but it felt normal to you i felt like yeah like everybody's going through something like this dave navarro who lost his mom like a lot of women get really into men who like they want to take save you so mm-hmm. do you have that too where a lot of women are like oh i feel bad for you and i want to mother you maybe when i was a, when i i put off a vibe like when i first moved to la everybody thought that i lived on the street and there'd be people all the time who would like take me to dinner just random women thinking that like i was uh just like a street kid but i had an apartment and stuff (laughs) um i I, and then uh but yeah as far as the people i've dated i think it's the opposite i take care of Of them them yeah until recently it's shamir was saying recently to us shamir was like you were like are you you okay with something and and Uh. shamir was like 
Ugh, everyone wants to spoil me all the time. I know. Like, it's just sort There's of like some the, an people annoyance. have that, but <laughs> like, I'm like, can I please spoil you? And well, Shemira's some people like, feel very, there's like an innocence or mm-hmm. something that you want to help protect mm-hmm. about certain people. Yeah, we're just talking about Ben and me, I, I, is that the right grammar? Are tr- drawn to chaotic people. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always liked crazy people. Big time, me too. Men and it's, women. It, it's, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you know, when I was 14, I put out my first single about wanting to be Evan Dando. That's right. not a Who we sane name, person. Renamed, you know what I'm, I mean? <laughs> Evan, I'm not so fine in Dando. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> I love him, but you know. But I, you know, I remember reading Kerouac and he was like, the mad ones are for me. I yeah. internalized that. Same. Super intensely. Yeah. I mean, I now even. Uh, I'll if somebody I'll find out who's like talking the loudest shit at a party and go all right that's where I'm gonna figure out how to get into that circle right there yeah keep somebody spitting venom over there so I gotta be a part of that and underdogs like I was like I want the underdog like you know I want everyone to love me everyone and I'll be a chameleon but at the Mm -mm. same time I also kind of like Standing up for an underdog. And I'll never tell somebody how I really feel about them. I think that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. You don't do the thing like the teen Goldie was like, do you think it's a good idea if we all sit each other, my friends around and tell each other what we don't like, what bugs us about? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, great terrible. idea. But like <laughs> some people love that. I mean, one of the most content people I'm, I know, a good buddy of mine, if he doesn't like some, I mean, there was a person at a party the other day where he, my buddy was handing out gum to everybody. And then this other guy was like, can I get a piece of gum? And my buddy was like, no, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. And I've always hated you. And you know I hate you. And the guy was just like, okay. And I was like, everybody just like. But my buddy just didn't phase him. And he went, went about the night without even. And I thought about that moment every 30 seconds for the next four days. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. So your music stuff is—I want to so give people good. a sense of—it's like there is humor in your music well, stuff yeah. too. That's not even part of the mm-hmm. comedy, but this is like you're out being a rock and roller. And the music with backing so tracks, good. Or a little with- bit. I mean, no, we we have backing tracks, so it's it's always a three piece. Um, I'm probably going to add another person in uh, maybe in in the next tour, but uh, it's like a drummer, guitar player. I play acoustic guitar and sing, and then there's like a bass backing track. Oh, so um, it's just bass and click on the backing bass track? Bass and click that the drummer listens gotcha. to. And sometimes there's like a synthesizer element. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, you know, I'll do jokes in between, sort of. I'll sort of, but make it, it's more like banter. And I, I've started doing roasts of like other <laughs> indie rock Oh, yeah, I bands. saw that. Who are you roasting? You, would do, you went on a big jam. Alex with... G and Tom Waits. That's and... Tom Waits. That's the one I saw. <laughs> uh, Tom Waits. Tom Waits. What's he waiting for? A cup of water to clear his throat? Um, stuff like that. It's dumb, dumb, dumb. And we that. have like a built-in laugh track. Amazing. So oh, and if, no one, I can't hear if they bomb or not. But uh, they bomb for sure. But, uh, <laughs> but that's the point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's that kind of thing. And then um, when I headline, that was opening for my friends, Howdy, uh, my favorite band. And then when I headline, it's um, I'll have the band still, and they'll kind of come on and off stage in between while I'm doing jokes. So, that's perfect. Yeah. Get your favorite band with you. I know. I feel oh, like yeah. I started using some tracks thing after I saw the way you were doing it because it was something about 
it still feels lo-fi and punk. Yeah. And you're not pretending that it's like, you know, you see some bands with tracks and it's like they're trying to give, yeah. I, mean, I don't know, make something seem bigger than it is or something. Well, I mean, that it's just out of, uh, the music thing and the backing tracks, it first was just such a joke. It's why with that first record, I was singing with a Br- British accent for some of the songs. And I I was just doing karaoke and people started laughing at it. Like, uh, I basically the first song I ever wrote, comedy leaning song, was um, this song "Partied to Death" about my mom. The joke is that I can't party with you tonight because it makes me think about how my mom partied to death, <laughs> and I did it just to be shocking. And then my and I changed all the lyrics from that song to be the "Party to Death." Originally, it was about something else, and then. Um, People are laughing at it, and I was like, "Oh shit, maybe I should do this." And I realized, like, I I could write a song that fits in with all my like chunks of material, but the karaoke added a a like jokey level to it that I was singing in front of a screen that had the lyrics, and there wasn't even a band on stage, and I had like this stupid voice and stuff. And then it became so weird when I did it. I filmed it as the comedy special because I was in a bar that is all made out of wood. It looks like a pirate bar or something in oh, Alabama. Yeah, what was, was that really that... I, yeah. I couldn't tell if there was anything that was sort of construct for the no, show. No, we didn't change like, anything. Okay. Um, didn't change anything. And so it felt so uncomfortable to um, do that kind of thing at that place. Like I needed a band of people with like beards and mustaches behind mm-hmm. me. Like, you know, so, it had never happened before there, right? No, the, yeah. for sure. But then there was a whole element that we cut out of the special for time, which was about how I'm like a complete fish out of water now. I don't like necessarily belong in my hometown anymore. Because um, they don't have an air one. <laughs> they don't have an air one, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but we had to cut that. That would have leaned into how I'm like, what am I doing on stage in my little shoes, like at this surf pirate bar um with all these sunburnt audience members um but uh so yeah but then the now everybody's doing backing tracks now because touring is becoming so expensive but yours also sounded cool like the aesthetics of them were good which was like really good works cool that's nice i know everyone it's so crazy with touring now because i feel like we got convinced as musicians to put out music for free. Mm-hmm. And it was like this thing that we just sort of rolled over and accepted. And now the prevailing wisdom is, oh, yeah, you'd lose money touring. Yeah. But it's promoting you. It's such but a it's like, bummer. At what point do we get paid? There's yeah. got to be some point. And right? all those so, great bands with so many players, like, I don't even know. like Yeah, like those are Muttley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. in the old day, you know, whatever, Sly and the Family Stone. Like then it's so expensive, right? Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about because I remember like you were sharing some pictures and it did seem like I know you were joking about it, but it it did actually seem like he you have a place in your heart oh, yeah. for him that was like very pure. Yeah. And he is someone who navigates some of the same artistic He does, I don't yeah. Know, you know, well ground. he's a good he's my um his comedy special I can't, uh, the Netflix one he put Dude, out. The last one, 100% fresh. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite specials of all time. That was incredible. And, I um, cried. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has the he hits it once or twice with the song about his wife and the, the song about uh, Farley. Farley. Yeah. And then the rest is the silliest, most irreverent 
stuff and he's lying and a lot like something about meeting the pope or some joke and it's like i don't did he meet the pope <laughs> i don't know the but, roller coaster with the other dad yeah that was one of my favorites oh yeah <laughs> what was that? where they get there they both dads have to sit alone and they get the but they have a real bonding thing yeah. they don't get to sit with their kids and then they both contemplate buying the photo yeah because it's them next to each other yeah that's know, nice yeah. <laughs> but then i did a show with him and yeah he was just it's the thing with a lot of like famous people like his level I think where they have the reason you kind of discover why they're so famous and beloved right away and it's like they have that like disarming thing they must kill it in general meetings where they just right away he was just like he introduced himself and then he was like uh you're a big good strong southern boy like right <laughs> away like kind of and then was looking at my notes and was like, got a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, I'm going to eat shit tonight. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And you're just like, I love you. And then he played a song about trying to get on a pool float while wearing too much sunscreen and slipping off. And you're just like, hit this guy rock. Oh, so it wasn't, there was no heartbreak in it. I saw, I thought you were going to say it was like something in no. meeting him, like was a letdown or something. No, no, no. no, no, no it no, was yeah. incredible. And yeah, um, nobody has anything as far as I know, yeah. people don't really have anything negative to say he about him. He used Adam to Sandler. bring me in a, a certain. He wanted to would want to cast me like back in the when he would do a lot of. I guess the Drew Barrymore and mm -hmm. like. I and never got. I never got the jobs because I don't know. I have a weird ability to not get jobs sometimes. But you've also been. He's been in your dreams. Oh like, right. This, this connects oh, to the yeah, golden yeah, yeah. one thing I did. Yeah. But, like, well, I do have. I, I would dream. I do. I used to have this like resentment for that type of person that that's parents loved them really effectively mm -hmm. and made them grow up thinking they could do anything. Yeah, yeah. that confidence that I was jealous of, and mm -hmm. now I now I kind of have it at my age. I guess I'm kind of finally have it, but I just felt so frustrated that I and jealous of people who had that confidence. You mm -hmm. know, to kind of I don't know. That's what I thought was like the whatever secret. I was never the life of the party. Right. I was always quietly in the corner trying to I'd get to a party that because my friends wanted to get loaded and I would see if there was a piano in the house. I was like that kind of guy, you know, to quietly play piano and the, mad at everybody, all the guitar players in my high school because I would play an original song and nobody cared and they would play a Jack Johnson or a Dave Matthews band song and just like crush yeah this is so, a proper emo origin story it's oh like, yeah. i was like full emo there was maybe two kids in my whole school who even knew what emo was and so what kind of shit what are you listening to as a kid era? it was like well it started with like blink 182 is my gateway band yeah. and everything and then it was real just punk music like, so you didn't go like the dashboard i did eventually did, yeah, and yeah. then i got my heart broken found this band saves the day and this other being the Get Up Kids, oh, and yeah, then yeah, the Get Up Kids yeah. were huge in that world. Yeah, those, yeah. And then Taking Back Sunday yeah. and Dashboard, and those all of those bands yeah. were huge. And then I got really into hardcore music out of like I think happiness. I wasn't as sad anymore about a girl <laughs> or something. And then um, hardcore took this like tough guy militant thing I just wasn't into. And then I found. Um, Bright Eyes oh, yeah. and Elliot Smith at about the same time and then the rest Rilo Kylie and then the rest was just that forever yeah I opened for Dashboard on a big tour it was like an arena tour when there was it was sort of like this feeling of are they about to become you mm -hmm. two 
Yeah. And that was the vibe. It was impressive as a business. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, wow, people actually build their careers with intention Mm -hmm. and they, like, add a little bit on each tour and another and they make the lights. It was like, it was almost like an awakening that there were people who were much smarter and more calculated in good ways mm-hmm. with building their music careers than I'd ever been. <laughs> um, most people I I meet who are like super successful in music that way have a crazy business mind. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't I ain't got that. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. So I want to talk about the Patreon. We're obviously in this writer's strike. Everyone's, mm-hmm. you know, limited with it. And I just love that you've created this outlet to make whatever you want to make. Yeah. So, yeah. How Were you planning it for a while or was it? I mean, it was something that I wanted to do just, I've only, you know, just to f- see if anybody, it's fun. It's just a fun excuse to have to make something. And I was like, I want to actually have hotter takes and uh, put things behind a paywall and say how I really feel because I'm often pretty diplomatic. Right. And um, so, yeah, I just started a Patreon like, couple no like three days ago the one video that i do have put up there and i'll do like a video a week and a thing a a podcast every week is um so far as critiquing comedians fashion i love that the Chappelle. i actually flicked over to the twitch thing while you were doing it live and i was like oh my god i want to see what whip was doing and it was like that amazing photo of Chappelle wearing that weird silver t-shirt to his worm shirt (laughs) he's got the worst i don't i'll say that on here but He's yes. got the worst fashion. And he used to look so cool, too. Yeah, so that's what's so true. weird about it. I feel like you can just, like, base how someone's God complex is going and how out of touch they're getting by the clothes they start to wear. And yeah. you just, like, what the you, hell? You know Josh Weinstein? He was, like, a Freaks and Geeks writer. Oh, yeah. Comedian. Yeah. He, he, I like his podcast with Andy Kindler, Thought mm-hmm. Spiral. Yeah. Also, because Andy Kindler's always just burning oh, bridges with everybody. Yeah. But jo- they were talking about Chappelle. They both they both fully admire him as a comedian, mm-hmm. but you know. And I, uh, Josh said the best thing. He said he thinks he's mean Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that because it's true. He's like, there's a certain type of power people get in the industry where they decide it's now on their shoulders to bring the heavy weight of the sword yeah. down and say what's real. And well, what that Hillsong guy, his look got better when he got more. It's true. We just watched the Hillsong documentary. <laughs> what I like I about know. the Patreon thing is, and it's. You know, not dissimilar to the way we're thinking about our creativity is that if you do have a lot of different interests and skills, you actually have to build your own container for yeah. it because no one's going to give you that No, container. I mean, nowadays, yeah. I was thinking about it and, and now I just keep thinking about it, is how to, can I make a living with like out show business getting involved without like a, a thousand meetings and mm. an outline approval. I, I mean, I'll Ugh. still continue to do all of sure, those sure. things, but- it's just getting more and more complicated and then you don't make a living really it's hard harder for me to make a living touring these days so i was just thinking why not you know and then i can put everything on there old short films that i never released or or songs that uh demo versions of songs or songs i'll never put out you know just kind of try to create something and then that uh, is really specific. And then why not? I mean, I have all kinds of people that I subscribe to on Patreon. Do you? Yeah. Do you right. I, do, oh I have God. only three or four, Remember but I want to do more. Remember the first person uh, who did it that 
Oh, well, Amanda Palmer, she really, I got, I spent an hour on the phone with her once and she was really pitching, but you know who that is? Mm-hmm. You know, she was in the Dresden Dolls, but she was the first person to raise a million dollars on Kickstarter, first okay. musician. Cool. And um, she now is a full on Patreon, but her, her theory that she had back when she started and is proven to be true is the era of needing everyone to love you is over. Yeah. You need a thousand people. You need yeah. a thousand people who really get it yeah. and you super serve them and they pay and five or 10 bucks, made, a, 10 bucks a month. She has a nice lifestyle. Yeah. yeah I mean, the I industry know. hasn't caught up to how things are actually nowadays. They're still like operating like it's 1998 um, and it's just not, it's, it's like a tough time now and all this. I mean, our movie came out uh, for a week in theaters and then it got pulled out of theaters for a week. Our movie and that other uh, Infinity Infinity Pool, the um, oh, yeah. the Cronenberg's Brandon Cronenberg movie, and uh, both of our movies got pulled out of theaters for a week so that Ant Man could take up more screens in the theater, even at these little independent theaters. And I'm like, God damn, more screens for Ant Man. <laughs> got to get rid of the little guy for a week, and then they put us back in theaters after Ant Man screened for a week and all the screens. And it just feels like that's not it's like a, that's bleak. It can't be that way anymore. And I'm sure that that comic book stuff will eat its tail eventually. And I would happily be in one of those movies. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's just it's not the same. Like my agent. I'm never going to create a superhero that's then going to get bought by Marvel or whatever they would, the the ideal situation. And I think making things on your own is kind of that, that way of thinking is getting phased out. And like that style of showbiz, I think will eventually be totally phased out. Yeah. I've been inspired lately with not by the residuals from Spotify, but, by the actual use of the platform Mm -hmm. as a method of regularly sharing music. Because Mm -hmm. what I realized was that it's a, it's an algorithm like Instagram is, Mm -hmm. and you can befriend the algorithm and get your music into the, you know, discovery playlist Mm -hmm. and all that of your audience who follows you. And it's less actually about making hit songs than it is about, making regularly lots of interesting music that Mm -hmm. your audience can absorb. And I'm kind of like, it's reminding me of like indie rock when I started, when you could have lots of projects and it was just about keeping a conversation going with your audience with a really fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't mind any of that stuff because I was never around when you could make money in music. So I don't know what that's like. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you just (laughs) (laughs) never made any money anyway. Yeah. So, okay, so for the Patreon, is it a set amount per month or do people... You can pay five bucks or ten bucks. And ten bucks you get, like, I'll put out videos and demos and all that stuff. And then five bucks is just a podcast. Cool, cool. Um, but it's, it's slash sneaky dumbass is what it is because it's me being a little bit more evil on that thing. I'm not as nice. I love it, man. Um, well, I'm so... I just... I don't know. if I first discovered you through Christian mm-hmm. Lee Hudson, our friend, mutual friend, and... um. And I was so, I don't know, just, you know, when you find people that have a sense of humor that you can drop into and yeah. you feel, I just like kind of got oh, that's right cool. away. Well, it was so a trip. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of both. I mean, I grew up, I actually uh, discovered you through um, 
one of those talking heads shows that you're on on VH1. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like the 90s you or whatever. Used to do that. I love those. <laughs> I heads. had a knee surgery when I was a kid from skating, and then uh, that was all I watched. Amazing for like that whole recovery. And I was like, well, who is this? This funny little guy. And, and, now then, you, and you felt very close to me and Paul Shear and Michael Ian I Black. Did. As a and then I eventually <laughs> met Paul, and he's a great guy. And now you, and it's a trip. And like, and then obviously all the movies and stuff. And like, I can't believe it. So yeah. it's it's cool. And yeah. I'm stoked to get to do this. Oh, oh, good. So good. Well, and it was so cool so seeing you play live. Whenever it feels like the other night, but yeah, it was like at Lago, 14 right? years yeah. ago. Yeah. Thank you, Whitmer, and everyone should subscribe to this Patreon. I'm going to subscribe to it. Oh, and um, and yeah, thank you for joining and us. We and we should end with one of your songs, Whitmer's songs. Oh yeah! So we, our our audience, our fandom, they they're called the Beautiful Babies, cool. which feels so appropriate because <laughs> the, the Big Baby oh, right. is an iconic Whitmer Tom. Yeah. Wait, for- I wanted to ask about what was the origin of the whole Big Baby thing. The origin <laughs> is that's a trip. Big Baby came out two weeks after the Golden One, all in lockdown. And I, I was like more successful than like an HBO publicized television event, like thing, you know, and this thing I put out on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. But the or- origin is my buddy Rory Scovel was like, um, I challenge you to make a video in one day. And it was like this lockdown thing. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And then I just made that like. So and it was just a filter you found what on Snapchat? It was a filter, yeah, yeah. and then I well the filter came after. Oh, okay. I wrote the song. Um, just all of those little words and things were just things I would say around the house when I was just chilling, and I just was like, all right, here we go. And then I wrote the song. I was like, well, I got to do a video, and then I found that baby filter, and then. <laughs> Did it and didn't think anything about it, and then I looked at my phone. I was like, "What the hell?" Oh, that's so. Funny. And then now I play it at every show, and I, yeah, it's been, it's. I'm lucky to have that, even though it's like nothing like anything else I do. <laughs> hey, it gets David Wayne on the dance floor. I can't believe that. <laughs> that was so funny because so he clearly had had a strong emotional connection to the song because oh, wow. the way he ran onto the dance floor he was like, "They're playing my fucking tune." He Holy like, hell, that's <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we love you, big, beautiful babies. Thank you. Do you feel out of gas on any kind of feeling? Tired all the time. No matter which way you imagine tomorrow, it's just no good and there's no wind in sight. Have you tried giving in to that daily monotony? I've gotten down. So stay down. Down, 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 Well, I-
cut and stiff like my crooked limbs Gotta settle down and have a couple of kids I eat the fast food when I feel sad Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.